1950s Science Fiction Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, Book Review, The Man Who Jake by Philip K. Dick. Introduction. Hi, and welcome back to the 1950s Science Fiction Podcast. Today's presentation is a book review. This time I will discuss a short science fiction novel by Philip K. Dick, The Man Who Jaked. The Man Who Jaked was one of the author's earliest works and his second novel. The story, published by H. Books in December of 1956, and is 160 pages long. The story was a part of an H. Double paperback that included a second novel in the back, printed in a dosy dose binding. This type of printing consists of two books bound together with the same spine, but each one was upside down from the other. The second novel was The Spaceborn by E.C. Tubb. I am not reviewing this novel right now. I am familiar with the works of P.K.D. by the movies based on his short stories and novels. However, I have never read any of his stories until now. I didn't know anything about this novel until I saw the title on a free download website. I observed on the cover a man with a severed head running away from somewhere. The object had a red substance on top. Yikes. The title and cover art made me curious about the novel, and I downloaded a copy to read. Japed is the very first story I read from Philip K. Dick. Now, on to the review. Meet Alan Purcell A man named Alan Purcell is the novel's protagonist. Purcell lives in, a, lives in the far future in a rebuilt New York City after an atomic war had decimated most of most of the world. Out of the ashes came a new form of government called Morak. This form of government is a is totalitarian by design. Morak is short for Moral Reclamation, a political movement founded by a war hero, Major Steiner, who has a statue in his honor. The movement stresses a strong work ethic and is very puritanical in personal behavior. Morak discourages the following behaviors. No public cursing, no sex outside of marriage, no public intoxication, etc. Morak can enforce its codes by various means. Block communities located in every neighborhood, supervised by a block warden. Small robots with cameras called juveniles. And propaganda. Block committees have the power to call one of their citizens to a meeting to answer to charges, and if found guilty, can be publicly shamed or have their lease terminated and subject to relocation. Relocation involves eviction from their home, and a person must move away from the city center. There are also places called health resorts where Morak can send persons deemed morally unfit. The, result, the resorts are in, re, are in reality mental health facilities. Now, who is Alan Purcell? Purcell is what we would call an advertising executive who runs his own business. However, the only client he works for is the government, and what he produces is propaganda. Purcell lives with his wife, Janet, in a small apartment. They have no children since their marriage. Janet 
takes lots of prescription medications to help her sleep at night and for anxiety. One morning, he wakes up and realizes he had done something unthinkable. He remembers what he had done, but doesn't know, doesn't understand why. Purcell had japed the statue of Major Steiner, which resides in a nearby park. What Alan had done was to vandalize the statue by decapitating the head. Then he placed it on one of the statue's feet by making it look like he was kicking its head. To jape means to play a practical joke on someone or something, hence, hence the title. Janet Purcell reads about, reads about it in the morning paper and asks Alan about it. Alan says he was the one responsible, but he can't explain why he just desecrated the statue. The newspaper report, yes, there are still newspapers in the future, states there hasn't been any arrests made. The police have concealed the statue from public view by, a build, by building a wooden box to cover it completely. Block Committees and Telemedia On the way to work, Alan is stopped and questioned by Mrs. Birmingham, the head warden of Al- on Alan's block. She asks why he appeared to be intoxicated last night. Alan explains that he was away on a business trip and he consumed three glasses of wine. Mrs. Birmingham takes note of it and Alan continues toward his office. Once there, Sue Frost from Telemedia is waiting to speak to him. She explains that TM is impressed with his work and wants to offer a position to work with work at TM, not just any post, but the directorship of the agency. She explains the current director will resign soon, and they want somebody who can bring fresh perspective to the job. He accepts the offer and plans to start working there shortly. Telemedia is a government agency that functions like the Ministry of Propaganda and Totalitarian Society. Miss Birmingham keeps a watchful eye on everything that occurs on her block. She had noticed that Alan had arrived home the previous night and that he appeared to be intoxicated. She takes note of his late night arrival and has already mentioned she questions him about it the following day. The minor incident will come back to haunt Alan later on. Miss Birmingham is a strong proponent of moral reclamation and she also has an ancestral lineage to Major Steiner. The part, the statue, and a young lady. Next day, Alan visits a, the public park where the statue of Major Steiner resides. He notices various citizens looking at the covered statue and discuss who might have been behind the vandalism. The accusations range from juvenile gangs to groups that want to dispose of Morak. Before the police can cover the statue, Red paint had been visible on the sculpture, and it ran to the ground. The red liquid had symbolized blood, and and the disturbing look of the statue made the government conceal the artwork from the public. Allison, Alan Alan notices a dark-haired young woman looking at the statue. He approaches her and starts a conversation. She states that she is glad to see the artwork of Major Steiner vandalized. While they walk around the area, they discuss the nature of the crime and who might be responsible. The young lady asks if he needs help from anyone, and Alan says that he does. His mental health has been a concern of his since the japing. Before she leaves, the young lady gives Alan a card. The card has the name of Gretchen Marlborough and Health Resort printed on it. 
The fact is, the fact that she's associated with a health resort concerns Alan. Health resorts are where Morak sends its non-conforming citizens, and they are usually off-world. While leaving, Alan suspects that she was sent there to find him. The Block Meeting That evening, Alan and Janet go to the weekly block meeting in their area. The gathering, moderated by Miss Birmingham, deals with various offenses. The offense is trivial by today's standards, but is treated seriously under Morak, such as the use of vulgar language, intoxication, and premarital sex. Proceedings involve the warden calling out the initials of the offender. That person comes forward before the community and confesses or defends their actions. Miss Birmingham summons Allen to the front, and she charges him with public, public intoxication, falling asleep outside his residence, and using foul language. Allen sternly defends himself against the charges. However, the judge throws out the case. The judge, a citizen on the same block, conceals himself behind a wall and only uses his voice. He states that Allen is too important to the community and his offenses are excusable. Afterward, Allen and Janet go home. Treatment Allen decides to seek mental health treatment before he goes to work for TM. So he pays a visit to the health resort listed on the card the young lady gave him at the park. Allen checks in under an assumed name of Mr. Coates, but discovers the doctor already knows about him. Dr. Marlborough is the older brother of the young lady he meets at the park. Alan, Alan explains to the doctor that he was the person who japed the statue of Major Steiner. Dr. Marple becomes interested in probing Alan's memory and learning more about him. Alan agrees to allow the doctor to examine his memory. The doctor injects Alan with drugs and attaches a mind-reading apparatus to him. Alan Mines thinks back to the business trip he, from a few days ago. He had traveled out of the city to an uninhabited part of the world still scarred by the atomic war. While there, he meets with some partners who try to sell him some contraband items. Items include detective novels, pornographic material, and liquor. Alan receives offers these items but is only interested in a copy of Luisi's by James Joyce. The book costs too much for him to buy, so he walks out empty-handed. After, after the examination, the doctor explains that more testing needs to be performed and makes a future appointment. A visit to the museum. Later during the evening, after dinner, Alan and Janet visit a museum their two nephews. There is an exhibit entitled The Asia Waste. A late 20th century home depicts what life was like until the atomic war. Then it shows the house being destroyed after, after an attack by the clever use of lighting effects. The scene even shows the, the demise of the family living in the house. Alan's nephew, Ned, enjoys the show and it's why he wanted to go to the museum. While there, Alan tells Janet that he's decided to accept the position at Telemedia. He had been hesitant since 
to offer, but Sue Frost gave him time to think about it. A Dream and a Doctor Back at home, while the couple sleeps at night, Alan experiences a strange dream. In the vision, Alan is hacking his way through a dense jungle. He gets to a vehicle called a getabout, the equivalent to an automobile in our time, and smashes it with a rock. After waking up, Alan asks Janet if he had been anywhere. Janet says that she doesn't remember, and Alan tells her about the dream he had. However, Janet finds the head of Major Steiner's statue in the laundry basket. This fact alarms Alan, he, and he rushes off to the health resort to see Dr. Marlboro. After Alan arrives at the resort, he tells the doctor he shaped the statue again. The doctor decides to run a battery of tests on Alan. The examination is to determine if Alan has PSI powers. Alan scores negatively on every test that Dr. Marlboro gives him. At this point, Alan is tired of being probed and prodded. He says he's had enough and decides to leave. But before he can make it out the door, he goes unconscious. A trip off world. When Alan wakes up, he finds himself on a bus riding around a town. He disembarks the bus, but is unfamiliar with his surroundings. Alan feels that he is lost and can't remember where his home is. However, he realizes that he is not on Earth and in a society not governed by Morak. The town looks like a mid-20th century suburb similar to the 1950s. He sees a young girl sunbathing in her front yard and explains that he is lost. After Alan asks for directions, she tells him to look inside his wallet to find his address. Alan sees the address of his home on a card and gets a ride to the address listed. Once there, he encounters a baby who recognizes him as the father and a young woman who claims to be Alan's wife. The woman is Gretchen Marperol, which doesn't seem to make any sense to Alan since he's happily married to Janet. I have to get off this planet. After his encounter with Gretchen Marperol, Alan reasons that he was transported there against his will. The planet he is currently on is a health resort world where Morak sends most of its undesirable persons. He discovers this by seeing a date on a local newspaper and understands that this isn't an illusion. The previous conversation Alan had with Gretchen turned out to be an illusion created on Earth by her brother. They wanted to trick Alan into thinking he had left his wife for another woman who was pregnant by him. So Alan goes to the nearest spaceport and tries to buy a ticket to Earth, but can't due to insufficient funds. He tries to call home, but can't get through. Getting desperate, Alan decides to commit a serious crime. He finds the nearest bank and decides to rob it by pretending to have a pistol in his pocket, but only his hand and finger are in the coat pocket. The attempt fails, and Alan gets arrested by the local police. He then... He then gets placed on the next transport ship to Earth. Alan gets back to Earth. Alan arrives back on Earth and wants to get back to his wife and the new job. However, 
is not as simple as you might think. When he arrives back at his apartment, Janet tells him the health resort told her that he was sent off-world due to a nervous breakdown. Alan assures Janet that he's all right and not to worry about him. At this point, she is more worried about the jaded head of Major Steiner more than anything. She really doesn't want to lose the lease they have on the apartment because it would be so devastating to their reputation. Alan contacts Sue Frost to let her know that he will be starting the new job the next day. However, she wants to meet with him about something important regarding his future employment with TM. Later on, later on that day, Alan meets with Miss Frost. She and some of, some of her colleagues have some questions for Alan regarding the time spent away from Earth. They tell Alan that they, that they have proof of an affair he was having with another woman. Sue Frost shows Alan a photo that depicts himself and a younger female together. The female is Gretchen Marlboro, and they are both boarding a rocket ship to go off-world. Alan denies the, the charge and says that he was away on a business trip. Sue Frost demands his resignation, but Alan refuses. He wants the block committee to decide if he's guilty or not. So he leaves the meeting and goes to work, knowing he is on for all time. But he has enough time to plan his next move. First day on the job. Alan starts his first day at TM by implementing a packet created by the first agency he controlled. The packet is a program of propaganda turned out by the ad agency. He is busy at work when he receives his first visitor, Christian Marlboro. Alan demands to know why he was kidnapped and sent to the resort planet. He threatens to have her arrested, but she decides to explain her actions. She tells Alan that her brother believed that he had PSI powers. Alan brain, Alan's brain scan showed something unusual about him. Dr. Marlboro thought it was a very remarkable find. It would seem that Alan's Purcell is different than most men. Alan decides not to have Gretchen arrested and allows her to leave. However, before she leaves, Gretchen professes an attraction for Alan. And Alan kisses her. During the conversation between them, a juvenile spy camera is eavesdropping on the conversation. It sees the kiss and records it, then tries to leave. Upon seeing the device, Alan proceeds to destroy it by smashing the probe with his foot. At that point, two men burst into Alan's office. They represent Sue Frost and demand to know about the juvenile. An altercation ensues between Alan and the two men. A fight breaks out. Alan assaults one of the men after he tries to detain Gretchen. However, she flees the building as Alan instructs her to do so. Back to the block committee. After the events at Telemedia, Alan receives a summons to the block committee meeting to answer new charges. Alan knows he will lose his current lease and he decides to work against the system. Since he is still the head of TM, Alan believes that he will still get a new lease anyway. Alan and Janet attend the block meeting and things do not go 
well for them. Among the charges is adultery and destruction of juveniles. Allen defends himself Allen defends himself by saying that the woman in question, Gretchen, is just a friend. He further states that nothing immoral has happened between them. Allen also explains that he told her to leave his office during the confrontation for her safety. Allen is found guilty of both charges and loses his lease. The Russells must vacate their apartment within two weeks and relocate elsewhere. Allen is furious and berates the block committee system. He demands the faceless judge show himself, but it is to no avail. The Brussels, the Brussels leave the meeting and go back home. Once more, Sue Frost asks Alan to resign from TM, but Alan refuses. Pageant of Time. Ellen comes up with the idea of doing a historical documentary on Major Steiner. When it seems there's been a lot of discussion about bringing back some of the policies he used after the Atomic War. Among them was active assimilation, a means whereby the enemies of society become merged into Morag. Most of the population believes that returning to this practice will resolve some problems the, pan- the planet faces. Immigration to other planets and the recent japing. So Alan decides he can capitalize on this fear. For the pro- for the broadcast, Alan assembles four so-called experts on Major Steiner. They are moderated in a panel discussion hosted by Alan. In reality, all the panel members are imposters except for Professor Sugarman. They start by discussing the effects of the atomic war had on the planet during the late 20th century. There were food shortages, areas affected by radiation, and the chaos that followed the war. They further explain how Major Steiner helped bring back order in the world by implementing his policy of active assimilation. Professor Sugarman explains in detail how Steiner would kill his enemies and then consume them. In other words, cannibalism is central to assimilation. Now, can you imagine that? This you, now you can imagine that this didn't go too well with the powers that be. It is especially Mrs. Birmingham who had been watching the broadcast when the revelation that Major Steiner was a cannibal. She sat in front of her TV set, dazed and confused after the broadcast ended due to technical difficulties. The outrage. Well, as I'm sure you can imagine, the broadcast started a riot just outside the studio. The power to the transmitter was severed to cease the program. However, Allen orders the use of the emergency generator in an attempt to continue the broadcast. The TM staff manages to restart the program, and it continues with the segment about Major Steiner's cannibalistic instinct. One of the panel members even further states that his policy not only eliminates your enemies, but makes a great dinner as well. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, the broadcast becomes terminated, and the reason given is technical difficulties. Moreover, the viewers are advised not to watch any more of the show. 
A mob surrounds the studio, and the TM staff put in put their escape plan into motion. Alan immediately heads home to get Janet, and he assures her the broadcast was phony. Alan says that Steiner never ate his enemies. They both head for the nearest spaceport, where a ship is getting ready to blast off to one of the distant planets. They have tickets to leave Earth, courtesy of an old friend. Both Alan and Janet nearly make it there on time, but what happens after that, you will have to read for yourself. My thoughts. As I stated before, this is the first novel I have read by Philip K. Dick. It was an excellent read, and I'm glad I finally got around to reading it. The story is not too too difficult to follow and and to understand. At its core is an anti-totalitarian police state story that has plenty of humor and satire. The protagonist, Alan Purcell, is so contemptuous of Morek that he tries to bring down the system. He despises the use of block committees, censorship, and dislikes how the government invades a person's private life. Even though his position is supportive of of Morek's means of control, he is ready to bring it all down. First by the first two japes of the statue of Major Steiner, then by the fake news-style broadcast demeaning his reputation. Also, given the political climate existing in the U.S., there was a fear of communism and the lingering, lingering effects of, a car- of the McCartney era fresh from the public consist- consensus. The man who japed can serve as a cautionary tale of what could go wrong with society under those circumstances. During my research, I read that the author intended to show what was happening in mainland China under Chairman Mao. As for future tech in the story, there's plenty of it. At least by 1950s standards, there is a space, there's space travel and colonization to other worlds, as already mentioned. There are flying cars to, to traverse to different parts of the world. There is, a, there is a suggestion of virtual reality utilized by Dr. Marlboro when Alan was on a resort planet. An electronic device created the illusion that he was married to a different woman and had a new life on that, in that world. Use of prescription medication for anxiety that Janet Purcell took is not uncommon in today's world. While I didn't see any personal computers or the internet, the juveniles used real-to-real analog recordings. Well, I'll wrap up this podcast episode. This show is almost 30 minutes in length and maybe the longest I've recorded as of now. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of my series. I hope to return with a new podcast episode soon. This episode is the first show I've recorded using the Blue Ball microphone I recently purchased. Hope you have heard a better quality sound in my podcast. Please feel free to send me any feedback via the comments section, email, or social media. Follow me on, on Twitter at EdwardGerman3. UTCgrad97 at gmail or use the comment section on your podcast platform you're currently using. Thanks for listening. Yeah.